Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 120. Wait for it. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who cannot wait for football season to start again, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to session 120 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and spending it with me and my special guest. Today's special guest is Ramit Seti from IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, uh, one of the first personal finance blogs I've ever read. This is the second time he's been on the show. The first time he was on was in session 92, which you can listen to at SmartPassiveIncome.com slash session 92. In that episode, we talked about pricing strategies and the psychology of selling. So it's a very, very important episode. Actually, a lot of people have emailed me saying that that was one of their favorite episodes. They've listened to it multiple times. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case for this episode as well. In this episode, we sort of rewind and go back into history of Ramit's flagship product called Earn 1K on the side. That product has done extremely well. And I wanted to get in, uh, just get it in his brain for exactly how it all happened. And he goes deep into conducting proper research with your target audience, into product development, his launch sequence, and his philosophies with producing products for your audience. So this is this is a big one. So get ready because we're going to dive right in. This is the interview with Ramit Seti from IWillTeachToBeRich.com. If you want more information from him, you can actually get even some free giveaways at IWillTeachToBeRich.com slash Pat. All right, so here's Ramit. What's up, everybody? I'm super stoked to welcome back Ramit from IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. Ramit was with us in episode 92 of the podcast, one of the top most talked about podcasts that we've had because we talked about the psychology of selling and pricing, and now Ramit is back. What's up, dude? Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, last time we talked about pricing and sort of the psychology of selling, like I said, in, in general, and, and you gave some great tips for people to think about what they could do with their products and promoting it. And I'd like to take a product that you've had for a while and talk specifically about it and the strategies you use, perhaps what you did right, what you did wrong, what, what would you do if you did it over again? So we could all sort of learn from what you did and, and what you wish you had done. So let's talk about your, your flagship product for IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, which is a product called Earn1K. Can you kind of give us a history of that product? Sure, Earn1K is a product 
to help people start earning money on the side and specifically through freelancing. So this is very unusual in the online internet space, very unusual. And I want to spend some time talking about why we chose this specific area and how we did all the research. Because if you look around at freelancing products, there's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Any idea why? What do you think, Pat? Uh, well, you know, freelancing requires people to actually have to do work. I mean, I think I think just the trends are, you know, to create a product or an ebook or, and stuff like that. I mean, nobody really right. talks about, you know, actually creating a service for other people. <laughs> exactly. So years ago when we created Earn1K, even back then, that was the number one thing. I want to know how to create an online business and generate passive income. And the history behind Earn1K is when I went on book tour in 2009, every single city I went to, my readers asked me, hey, this personal finance stuff is great, but I want to know how to earn more money. And so I came back and I got together with my team and I said, let's start researching this. And we did something we call cloud research. We just tried to map out the different types of ways to earn more money. So there's negotiate your salary, there's passive income, there's freelancing, there's all kinds of stuff. And we crossed off some of them because we weren't good at them or we didn't believe in them. And then we started looking at some others because we thought we had something to add. Well, we chose freelancing. It's a very unsexy topic, but we knew that the market was huge and we knew that no one was serving them and those who were serving them were giving them really bad advice. You know, they were talking about, you need business cards. Um, you, you know, you need to have a website. That's the first thing. And then set up an S corp. And we were like, none of that is true. So at this point, we haven't created any product at all. We're still doing initial research. And this is something I want to emphasize. We're going to talk about some of the sales numbers and we'll talk about conversion rates and all that. But 80% of your success, at least in our experience, is determined in your research. And that means which product do you create, what market are you serving, and how are you going to be better, or in our, our cases, we want to be 10 to 100 times better than anyone else out on the market. You spend, you spend more time, effort, and money on research than, than anybody else I know. And there's a quote by George Washington, give me six hours to cut down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. That's what research is, right? I 100% agree with that, and we have found it to be totally true. I'll give you a couple examples of when it's worked and when it hasn't. We've had courses that we rushed to the market. And in fact, one of the courses that we rushed to market, we started, you know, when we launched it, the day we launched it, which was on a live webcast, I could tell something was wrong. We knew the product was great, but people weren't even scrolling down to the buy now button. They weren't even concerned about price. They didn't buy into the concept at all. That was when I knew we had a problem. So when people did join it, there were a few people that joined it. They actually asked for a refund within one to five hours. That was when I knew we had a big, big problem. So we actually shut the product down. We went back, we created a tiger team, went back and did a bunch more research and we discovered some subtle things we had missed and we went back, fixed them and relaunched. That course has been worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and we'll continue to get the benefits of that and so will our students because we took the time. Earn1K is an example of a course where we actually spent a lot of time doing research. And I'm, I want to be really clear. You know, when you start off, when you're creating your first product or your second product, we didn't know how to do this, right? So my first product was a $4.95 ebook. I didn't know what research was. But over time, we started to build that capability and to say, who are these people that we're trying to serve? Are they 
men or women? Are they 25 to 35 or 35 to 45? Are they single mothers, married? Are they looking for love? Are they looking for money? And also to understand all the competition out there. Again, Pat, we can go into detail about how to do this. But my main thing is so many people pay lip service to research. But if you actually do it, the benefit is you know your students better than they know themselves. And at that point, when you can show people you understand them and you can actually give them a solution to their problems, price is a mere triviality. Mm. Yeah, and pricing obviously is something a lot of people struggle with. But if you can determine the, what the right product is, I mean, people will pay money to solve their problems for yep. sure. How, how are you going about doing this research? What are some tips you can give for everybody out there? Like, are you just keeping track in Excel or are you actually having conversations and recording them with your target audience? Like, what, what does the research look like? So it's, first of all, it's really simple. We, you don't need any fancy, expensive tools at all. You don't need to buy um, you know, $5,000 a month survey solution. It's really simple. We start off with SurveyMonkey, and because we have a good relationship with our list, we say, hey, guys, you know, I'm thinking about doing something in the area of earning more money. I'm curious if you'd take five minutes, fill out this form, and we'll do five questions on a survey. So we start off really broadly. We'll ask people, you know, tell us about what earning money means to you. Have you tried to earn money before? Did it work? Why or why not? What happened? Notice that I'm asking for qualitative stories. I'm not doing any radio buttons or anything. That's a lot of technical people get hung up on this idea. They're like, where's the statistical significance? <laughs> That's irrelevant. You need qualitative data, especially at this stage. So we want to know what does earning money mean to them? How much do they want to earn? Like I have this delusional reader. He wrote, um, Ramit. I would like to earn $200,000 a year, um, but currently I work part-time at Target. And it's like, dude, that's not, gonna happen to, that's not gonna happen tomorrow. He wanted to earn it like within six months. That's delusional, it's not realistic. So those kind of people we know to ignore and not listen to. But someone who says, you know what? I'm earning $65,000 a year, I have two kids, I'm doing okay, I'm saving a couple hundred bucks a month, but if I could just earn an extra $1,000 a month, it would really make things easy. It would allow me to save some money, pay off my student loan debt, maybe let my wife stay at home with the kids, and that would just make me feel safe. And that is someone that I want to dig into. So I might email him. I would email that person and say, hey, John, read your uh, response. I'd love to know a little bit more. You mentioned that you've tried X, but it didn't work. Tell me about that. And people will be very open with you if you're very candid with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, I, I, and, and so you, you, you have people you reach out to like that, you talk to them. And so where do you go from there? You sort of notice what the patterns are and sort of, you know, I, I, I love this conversation you're having with John, though, because he's also giving you the exact language you should, you should use for your sales page. You said safe. And that's a, that's a key word right there, I think. That's exactly right. So using your market's language and better yet, understanding their psychology is critical. I'll give you an example. When we were about, say, 70% of the way through the research, um, we had an idea of why people wanted to earn money. So the biggest reason I thought was, you know, earn some money, go to Vegas, buy bottle service, and be a baller. Um, because that's what I would have done. <laughs> and, then, and then we actually did the research and discovered that's not true at all. A lot of people wanted to earn money, so they had the option to eventually quit their jobs. Now, if I had created the product under the auspices of, you know, be a baller, not only the marketing, but the actual product, it would have been really different than what Earn1K ended up being. So you have to 
go deep and understand why they really want to earn it. Why do they say earn 1K on the side? On the side is a direct result of research. We discovered that a lot of people think if they want to earn money, they have to quit their job and start the next Google. So let me get tactical. Here's what we do. We create a simple Google Doc and we write down our theories. We say it's going to be 75% guys. They're going to be between this age. This is why they're going to want to get to earn more and to get this product. And we talk about the competition. This product does this. This product does this. But none of them do X. We're going to do X. So we've just created a Google Doc. You know, when you first start off, it's like a couple pages. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. And then we start getting the survey responses. So what we'll do is we'll create headers. And one of them might say safety and security. And we'll paste in three or four survey responses so we can stay close to the actual language. Another one might be, I want to be a baller. And we'll paste in those things. And another one might be, you know, I just want excellence. I want to be the best and I want to earn more that shows that I'm being the best. So we'll paste those in. We are now, notice we've still got a simple Google Doc or Word document. We're just pasting in responses. And at this point, we're trying to categorize. Which of these is most important, right? So if you're doing a a fitness product for men and they tell you three different things, they tell you, I want to get fit so I can be attractive to women. I want to get fit um, so I can lose weight because, you know, I'm tired every morning and I want to get fit so that my father will respect me. Which of those do you think is the most important? Well, it depends on what age. Good question. Great. Let's say they're 25 to 32. Women. Totally. All right. Now, how do you know this? We, again, come up with theories. We're really comfortable stereotyping because we're always going to go back and test it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go back to these guys and we're going to say, hey, you know, tell us a little bit more. What would it mean if you were ultra fit? And they're going to say, I'd walk into a party and girls would look at me. And we're going to say, oh, why is that important to you? Because my whole life, I've never been attractive to women and now I'm ready to put the time in to do it. So all of a sudden you realize, wow, that, like this is important. And the father respecting you was just this offhanded comment from one guy. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to take that as a high priority. Right, right. right? Now, so, so you sort of, you know, you've done the research and you've gotten these sort of patterns and you want to validate them. That's what, kind of what you're doing at this point, right? That's exactly right. So another common mistake we see is people get this tunnel vision about what other people want and then they ask super, super leading questions. So I'll give you an example. I was speaking at a conference and in the Q&A session, this young woman came up to the mic and she said, you know, Ramit, I've been thinking about um, this area. She had a certain area. Let's just say it's um, cosmetics. And she said, wouldn't it be great if you could do X, Y, Z? And isn't it true that ABC? And I stopped to write that. I said, let me stop you. You're making a classic mistake and I, I want to point you out on it and I want to challenge you. When you're in your early research phases, you're not asking leading questions. Too many of us try to confirm our biases. We're actually at I Will Teach, we're trying to disconfirm. We're super skeptical, which is ironic. Most people would not accuse me of being humble. <laughs> but but I, I'm humble enough and skeptical of myself enough to know that at least half of our ideas are probably wrong the first time around. So we'll say to people, like, you told us that you want to get girls. Like, are you sure? Well, what else have you tried? Well, oh, so you say you've tried that. Well, why hasn't it worked? Oh, you didn't follow through? What makes you think this will be different? And we're not trying to be antagonistic. We're trying to understand where we might have gone wrong. So at every stage, you want to put a reality check in. Mm. You want to stop and say, 
is this really what people want or are they just telling us? Because if you go and ask anyone, hey, would you be interested in buying a course that teaches you how to differentiate between a duckbill platypus and an armadillo? They'll say, yeah, that's amazing. I'll definitely buy that. And then you stop and do a reality check. Uh, does anyone really care about this? Yeah. And that's when you find out you went on the wrong track. Right. I mean, that's the worst thing you could do is get on that wrong track, spend all this time, money, and effort putting into a product or a book or whatever the case may be. And then you sell it and then you don't get any sales. So exactly. again, exactly. the research is incredibly important. Any final words on research before we, start, before we move on? Well, my belief is that it's worth spending two to five times the amount of time and money as other people on research. Because if you do it right, you, will, you can often make back 50, 100, even 1,000 times the ROI. So we call that disproportionate results. Yeah, it might take you two times as long to write that email, but you will get 50 times the response rate. So as I always say, 80% of the work is done before you ever set foot in the room. Same thing with products. 80% of our work is done before we ever create the first PowerPoint deck. Wow. So something to think about. Spending a lot of time is worth it. And it's a, it's a playful process. It's not a formulaic process. You want to talk to people. You want to smile. You want to laugh. You want to ask them, hey, am I crazy? Or is this something that you, you actually really care about? And you're going to learn and listen to people when you do that your product will be better, your copy will be amazing, and price will be a mere triviality. It's so hard though because all that work you're putting in up front, you're not getting paid at that time. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle, especially because yeah. we're just sort of conditioned to work X hours, get paid for X hours. Okay, exactly. Let's talk about this for a second. This is the classic conundrum, and I think honestly it's a huge weakness of people in the online space. They want to click a button, send an email, and get sales. And guess what? You could do that. You could make $1,000 or $2,000, but the real business, the real revenue, and most importantly, really helping people comes from delivering something of superlative value. So for example, in Dream Job, one of my courses on finding your dream job, we talk about how most people, when they go to look for a job, the first thing they do is send out resume after resume. So if you were just looking at this person, you say, wow, this person is way ahead of me. They sent out 50 resumes this week. But my students are doing deep research. They're learning what their actual dream job, dream title is. They're talking to people. So for the first, let's say, three weeks, even eight weeks, they haven't actually, quote, sent any resumes out, while the other person may have sent out 200. But if you imagine the curve, suddenly the person who's sending out 50 resumes a week indiscriminately, they plateau. No one's responding. They don't know what to do. But the person who's put the hard work in, they pass them way fast. They pass them by and they go on to success. So for everyone listening, you know, we've been sold a bill of goods that says, quick, quick, MVP, put your product online, make money, just set up an AdWords account and it's done. And, you know, that's fine. You can make a couple hundred bucks, maybe even $10,000. But if you want to be seriously successful, then what we've found in our experience is spend the time. Yeah, the other guy may have put up a product, but most people who put up these products and brag about it, they actually shut down in just a couple of years. What one thing we know in a recent research study we did internally is people who buy one of our products repurchase other products at a rate 2,500% higher than non-buyers. What does that tell you? It tells you that once they buy one thing, they love it. They got the results. They're hooked. They're going to buy again and again. That is what you want to do to get students for life. Awesome. Okay, so let's move on from the research phase. You have this 
you know, based off of that, you have a product called Earn 1K, and it's Earn 1K on the side specifically because people. I mean, talk about the name really quick. I think we brushed on this during the last podcast, but to name your product Earn 1K, why not Earn 10K? <laughs> oh, listen, Pat, I wanted to call it Earn 10K, okay? In our research, we found that a lot of people could earn tens of thousands of dollars. All right, like I've got a caricature student. Her name is Julia. She draws caricatures, you know, like at county fairs and stuff. And she used to make like $8.50 an hour, $8.50 an hour. And since she joined Earn 1K about three years ago, she's generated $180,000. So we know that this works. And for the best of the best, they can earn a huge amount of revenue. The problem is nobody believes it. So in this case, we actually had to do a, a, a different type of marketing. A lot of marketing you find is people puffing themselves up, you know, uh, abs in one week and all this stuff that's just totally unrealistic. We actually had to tone it down because people didn't believe the results that we could get them. And here's the psychology. People would say, I'm not the kind of guy who can earn $10,000. $1,000, that's approachable. That's doable. And we asked them, what would it mean to earn $1,000? What would it mean to earn 10 k They literally said, I don't think I could earn 10 k Because imagine if you're making 50 k a year and someone says, oh, you can earn $10,000 extra, What's the first reaction that person has? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Or this, I'm not the kind of person who can do that. So in this case, we actually had to tone it down and make it earn 1K. Uh, by the way, how do you counterbalance that for people who are like, look, 1K isn't really going to move the needle for me. What we do is on the sales page and in the marketing, we add a couple of case studies of people who are advanced students, like Julia, our caricaturist. And we say, look, this isn't common at all. This is not typical, but she was advanced and she knew she could do it. And we tell the whole story about how she went advanced. So that's one thing, earn 1K on the side because we knew that we wanted to inform people you don't have to quit your job and start the next Google. And so then we talk about how it's you know um, authentic and legitimate. In fact, that's in our sub-headline, the first legitimate program. Mm. And that's because a lot of people believe that earning money is super scammy. And we wanted to instantly separate ourselves from that. And it's cool that the name of it has the results that people will get. Yeah. I think, can you talk about that really quick? Because I think yeah. the, the naming, I mean, this naming thing is huge. I mean, it's it's what people talk about. It's what people share. I think that name alone is a huge marketing device. Well, we, we learned this and we weren't as sophisticated about it in the beginning. I'll, I'll tell you a couple examples. Um, Scrooge Strategy was one of our products that was designed to help people save money. It was a recurring product and Honestly, it wasn't one of our most successful ones. Um, and there's a variety of reasons. I can certainly talk about my failures. There have been many. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much tape you have over there, but I can talk about failures for 25,000 hours. Um, but, but in this case, Scrooge strategy doesn't really tell you anything. In fact, it almost is a negative thing. It's like Scrooge, you know, like, oh, he's going he's gonna to take away things that I can do. It's all very constrictive. Earn 1K is very clear. You're going to earn 1K. And then we told people, because we meant it, it's not just $1,000. First, we're going to help you earn $1K. Then we're going to help you earn $1,000 a month, then $2,000, then $5,000. Now, notice that we put that in the marketing, which means you also have to deliver in the product. So in the product, we showed people how to earn their first $1,000. And then we showed them how to increase that by increasing their rates, getting more clients. Then finally, we showed them how to systematize that. So once you've got two or $3,000, maybe two months, three months, how do you systematize it so it's happening all the time? So the key there is 
you can make outcome-based promises like double your dating, mm-hmm. right? That's an amazing David device. David D'Angelo. David D'Angelo. But you have to follow up with the product to deliver. By the way, let's spend just a second, Pat, on this. Double your dating for men. Guess what it is for women? If you know, do you know the answer? No, I don't. Okay, then perfect. So <laughs> if double your dating is for men, guess what it would be for women? <sighs> I don't know. Double your dating for men because they want to date more women. Yes. For women, maybe find the guy of your dreams. Okay, good. Something along that line, right? Because women don't have a problem getting more dates. That's not the problem in general. Right. The problem, as they describe it, is, here's the title, catch him and keep him. Okay. Incredibly sophisticated. Because, as we know, for women, the problem is not getting two times the number of dates. That's a problem for men. But in general, that's not a problem for women. But you want to get him, you want to catch him. They use the word catch. It's very proactive. And keep him. So here they're responding to a market that is focused on women who perhaps have had no problem getting a man or getting into a relationship, but then all of a sudden he disappears. He stops responding. He stops texting. So this is designed to answer that. And you can tell the level of sophistication is very deep on those names. Yeah, and again, Mm results-based for sure. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, okay, you got the name, you got this product in your head, and, and I'm not going to go over the, the creation of the product. Or maybe you have one or two tips for making sure that the product that you're creating, because obviously if, if your marketing is good, but your product is bad, you'll just fail twice as fast, <laughs> you know? So I'm so glad you emphasize that. It's so many people spend all their time doing all this fancy copywriting, design, et cetera, and their product sucks. And the simple way to look at it is just invite 10 to 20 people to go through the product with you. Spend two weeks or eight weeks, if that's what the product is, and every week say, okay, we're going to go through this module. How many people would be willing to do that? Very few. Mm -hmm. Very few. No, very few people are willing to take the time to do it. Your readers would love to go through it with you, but very few course creators or online entrepreneurs spend that time. Why? Oh, that's a lot of work. Well, then you deserve what you get. If you don't have the time to go through eight weeks of your course with 20 people who love you, then why should anyone else go through it as well. We know, we, we do this with all of our flagship courses. We walk through it with a group of people. I get on the call every week free for a private group and we do final beta testing. And we discover crazy things. I've had people cry to me. I don't necessarily love when people cry around me. I act really awkward. <laughs> I'm kind of like looking at my watch. I'm like, all right, when are these tears going to stop? I'll remember that. Yeah, don't, please don't cry around <laughs> me. Um, and then, but we actually learn a lot. You know, people like, this is too complicated or I'm, they get way stuck or we forgot a foundational piece and we learn that because they just, they get stuck and it's not their fault, it's our fault. So we want to take responsibility. So the biggest thing I can recommend is, you know, make sure that the course is compelling enough and the way you know that is to take 20, 30 people, put them through the course for the duration of it and sort of monitor what they do. Right, I mean, you would do that with a authors do that, right? They don't just write the book, finish it, and then put it to market. They have their friends read it. They have their, you know, people in their target audience read it. They have editors that go in there and make sure it's what it should be. Totally. Um, People don't do that with their courses. I used to do it um, for my jokes. I used to write a comedy column in college, and I would have these jokes which, you know, look, I thought they were hilarious. I'm laughing as I'm writing. I'm like, (laughs) Ramit, you're so funny. (laughs) And then I would show it to my friends and I'd be like, hey, take a look at this. And I would watch them as they were reading. This is really the most low budget user testing you can do. (laughs) If they started laughing, I was like, gotcha. Like, this is a good joke. Now, if one person didn't laugh, 
I would just be like, all right, this person's not funny. They have no sense of humor. But if three or four or five people didn't laugh, then it was my fault. And I knew I had to fix that joke. So I think at the core of this, it's about being humble enough to know that you're good, but you may not be as good as you think. And you may have written your very best, but sometimes you have to change the way you write something or change the way you structure your course to be able to really connect with people. The classic example is people who go into a room, they brain dump all this data of something they're really good at, whether it's personal finance or style or online entrepreneurship, and then they just, hey, they shove it out into the market in some PDF or some course, and they never took the time to listen. It's really important to actually find out, if I put people through this, are they successful? Because once they're successful, now you have a powerful combination. You have incredible marketing. You have proof points. You have testimonials before you even launched. Mm -hmm. At this point, like I said, this is the third time I'm saying it, price is a mere triviality. I think that's a great segue into the launch sequence. So when you launched Earn 1K, how did you launch it? How much, you know, how did you create buzz for it? What were the emails like? And maybe what what, what did you wish you'd do differently? Oh, man. There, we did a lot of things that we've since changed um, because we've, you know, wised up. We're a little bit more sophisticated now. So it's kind of fun to go back in time. Well, we did a few things. At this point, we had about 50,000 people on our email list. Okay. Remember, I'd been writing my site for five years when Earn 1K launched. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, that that's really shows you how slow I growed, uh, how slow I grew, um, because I didn't even have an email opt-in for years. Mm. Um, I, did, I just didn't know. I wasn't that sophisticated. So 50,000 people on the list. And what we did was we sent an email telling people, we're going to create something about earning money on the side. Opt in here if you're interested. So I sent several emails and all of these were value added. I believe that every email, or I should say almost every email you send, should leave the reader with something insightful, Mm -hmm. something that they didn't expect. And the rare exceptions for that are emails where you say like, hey, the course is closing tonight. But aside from that, 99% of my emails, I try to have them be incredibly valuable, even if you don't buy something. Your emails are... I mean, I, I learn something from every single email. And I, you know, I'm subscribed to you to learn from you, but I'm also uh, just blown away by just how, I mean, for one, they're, they're quite long. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 Pat, you're telling me that our emails are not supposed to be short, to the point, just get to the point and give them the facts? Well, that's where I was going with that. Most people <laughs> recommend doing that. And uh, here you are creating these long emails that spend, you know, that people spend more time reading. But by the end, I'm, I'm very compelled. Well, thank you for saying that. And I want to highlight something for everyone listening. There's these common truisms in your industry, which is, you know, quick, people don't have time, make it quick, snappy, to the point, just the facts. And none of those are true. They are true if your emails are unengaging, but if they're unengaging, you have a larger problem anyway. One thing I've learned is if people have a pain point or if they are interested by what you have to say, there's no limit to what they'll read. So think of it like this. If you had back pain and someone came to you, someone you trusted, and they sent you a page and it was 50 pages long and it had examples, it had exercises, it had diagnoses, you would read every word of that. We know, we test it. We have a recent sales page we launched. It was, I believe it was 72 pages long. People read every word. And we know this 
for a variety of reasons. We test it, we monitor it. Also, there's one teeny link on that page. It's a teeny link, it's in size 14 font. And a huge amount of people click that link. So yes, if your material is compelling enough, you don't have to worry about being short, but being compelling is hard, you know? Can you tell a story? Can you be honest? Can you make them laugh? Can you sell? All of these things are really hard, but okay, back to the earn 1K stuff. Um, so here, here's something we did that we ended up switching later. We ended up converting nine, I still remember, I'm so mad. It was like 9,949 people from a list of 50,000. So I was like, God, can we please get 10,000 just for pride's sake? Mm-hmm. But we couldn't get the last 56 or whatever it was. So, all right, so at this point, I took those roughly 10K people and I launched Earn 1K to them. Now, this Earn 1K launch was quite extensive. It was a five-week launch sequence. Five week? Um, five weeks. Wow, isn't, I mean, I would imagine by the end of that, I'm like, okay, come on, just give me the product already. Like, is that what you um, want people to feel? Or? No, no, not at all. Um, but by, the time, by the time we even opened this course, people, see, here's the thing. Uh, it's very interesting you say that. What you're thinking about is people who are on five or 10 different email lists of internet marketers and they're like, I know this is a product launch. Just give me the course so I can see how much it costs. Right. I'm in this space, so I know that. Yeah. We don't play that game. We're playing an entirely different game. So first of all, I'm not even going to start by talking about a course. I'm going to start by talking about their pain points and what success would look like to them. Then I want to give them RIA, results in advance. By the time we even open this course, by the time we even mention there's a course, Hopefully, many of them have actually come up with an idea, and some of them have actually earned a hundred bucks. Okay, so we're not even talking about the course. Again, this is like you could compare it to dating. You don't walk in and say, "Hey, come back. Let's go. Let's go back to my place." And that is what too many online entrepreneurs do. We want to start by understanding them, by listening, by talking. Now, of course, we know most of the answers because we've been doing research for the last year. Mm-hmm. So when we show them what we know, they're like, "Oh my god." I've never even told anyone that, and this guy knows exactly what I'm thinking. This is crazy. So, so we're play, you want to play a totally different game. If you start off by saying, new product launch, here we go, you've already put them into the mindset of comparing you to every other product launch. And what are they going to do? The first thing they're going to do is just compare you on price. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if you start off a launch like that, you probably should be compared on price. So instead, my recommendation here is, you know, slow it down. Give them results in advance. Explain why you're doing it and how this can help them and why in the grand scheme of everything they could do, why this is important right now. Does that help? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Going back to your emails and even the sales page, you know, in terms of, you know, what you said about, for example, if somebody had back pain, they would read everything. Um, I agree with that. However, where do you draw the line between providing information and then also just trying to, or feeling like you're just doing everything possible to convince somebody. You know what I mean? Like just, okay, guys, if you aren't interested yet, check this out. If you aren't interested yet, check this out. Check this out. Where you're almost sort of like begging, I would, I think. Um, I, I love this question because honestly, the first product I launched, I was, I was kind of begging. And in fact, I've done that a few times and I, ha- I hated myself um, because I never wanted to be the guy who had to desperately go to someone on their knees and say, please, please, please buy my stuff, please. Mm-hmm. It just made me feel horrible about myself. The, the, the people I look to that I really admire, I'll give you one example from San Francisco. There's a sushi restaurant there and every time you go there, there's a line out the door. 
And basically, if you don't get there by 7.30, you have no chance of getting in. And what's interesting is when you actually get in, of course, the sushi is great, okay? The service is fine. It's nothing special. But when I was sitting in there, you know, like a typical weirdo, I sat down there, I start analyzing, oh my God, they could easily fit four more tables in here. That's 35% more revenue. Why don't these people, don't they understand about, uh, and the truth is they don't care. They want to run the business the way they want to. So what I did was, and this took me like three years to really wrap my head around, I had to reconceptualize the idea that if I want to create the best material and I want to have a line out the door, then I need to put the work in, in the research phase and in the testing and design phase. And when I know for a fact, not just conjecture, but for a fact that this is the best, then I can flip my mind and realize it's a privilege for people to be allowed in this course. It's a privilege. Notice that. I'm not trying to convince people who don't want to join. I'm like, get out of here. Leave. In fact, you're prohibited from joining if you have credit card debt. That's a decision that cost me over $2 million a year. I don't allow anyone who has credit card debt to join my flagship courses. Um, I tell them, you know, if you don't have five to 10 hours a week, do not join. If you have this problem, do not join. I'm very clear and I'm not, like I'm not trying to encompass everyone. I'm just looking for the right people. So when you start from a position of strength, when you know deep down that your product can help people, then it's your obligation to sell aggressively. But too many times we see people approaching it from a position of weakness because number one, they're not confident in themselves. Why are they not confident? Because they've never tested it. And two, they end up coming out like they're crawling on their knees. Please buy my stuff. Oh, it's 50% off. Why? If you're creating the world's best material, why would you price it at 50% off? Would Chanel ever do that? No. Would Louis Vuitton? No. Would the Four Seasons? Never. So why are you? Right. That's fantastic. Okay, so you've launched and uh, it's it's sold a certain number of copies. What do you close a launch? Like, what what are your feelings on yeah. closing a launch and then reopening it later versus having something open for good? Okay, so here's what we did. So interestingly, we took those ten thousand people and we ended up um, we sold it only to them. We left the other forty thousand people alone, and uh, we had a very good conversion rate at that point because we had never really sold nothing of that price point or that scale until then. Mm -hmm. So we had a really good conversion rate. We launched it with a couple of webinars. We did several emails during launch week, and then we closed it. And predictably, when you do a launch, which is, let's say it's open for three days or five days, you'll see your biggest sales spikes right at the beginning and then a huge sales spike right at the end. I mean, literally in the minutes and even seconds leading up to the close. Mm -hmm. okay? And you have emails going out to say like, hey, we're closing and all that yep. stuff. Yep. We have emails letting them know. And this is another thing for everyone who's launching like a three-day, five-day sequence. You want to understand people's emotional um, experiences throughout the sales sequence as well as through the product. So when they first get the first email, they're going to click on it and they're going to read it and they're probably not going to buy. So why? Why are they not buying? What are they saying? They're probably saying something like, okay, this looks interesting, but I need to read this at home later, not at work. I need to give it some time. So then what are they going to be thinking? This costs too much. Is this really going to work for me? Who else does this work for? Et cetera. You want to conceptualize that before you start writing emails so that you're not writing emails that are like, hey guys, please, just please join this, please. Like, don't do that. You want to be very deliberate and methodical about answering the objections that people have. So that's how we do it. Um, so anyway, at the end, we ended up, we closed it. And so now we have all these people that are going through the course. 
and the rest of the people, they didn't join. That's fine. I wanna share a couple of insights we learned along the way. One, just because people didn't buy then doesn't mean they're not gonna buy later. We've had people, we did a recent internal study. We had people buy Earn1K after being on our list for 555 days, okay? That's like a year and a half. And in that time, they'd seen the Earn1K promotion multiple times. So we asked them, why did you buy now? Why not before? And a lot of them told me, you know, it wasn't a priority. I didn't have time. I was doing something else, but now I'm ready to commit. So when you, one thing we learned from that is, you know, treat people with the utmost respect because if you treat them with respect and you're not disappointed that they didn't buy now, I always tell them, it doesn't matter to me if you buy my product, if you buy someone else's product, or if you do it on your own. I want your success. I'm here for you. So buy it, don't buy it. That doesn't matter to me. I just want your success. And that really changes the calculus. Of course, you have to mean it, Mm -hmm. but that changes the calculus. So that's one insight was, if they don't buy now, you will convert them at some point as long as your material is good and they're ready and receptive. That's one thing. The other thing we learned was, we then did several launches of Earn 1K throughout the year. Like I'm talking launches, like live launches. And we did it for about 18 months and I realized it was burning everyone out. People were getting tired of hearing about Earn 1K um, I, my staff and I were getting tired of launching because they're very tough to do live launches. There's a lot of work and, and it's very expensive. So we decided to spend some time learning how to make these courses evergreen. And that, that changed things for us in a huge way too. For everyone listening, the main key points are, um, number one, don't beg on your knees. Create the world's best because then you can approach sales from a position of strength. Number two, you're not trying to sell to everyone, just the right people. And if they don't join now, that's okay. They're still your readers. They're still your students. One day, the time will be right and they will join. And then the third thing is don't overlaunch. It can be really hard to come back from just selling, selling, selling if that's your approach. Mm-hmm. So is there a perfect amount of time between sales? or You know, it depends for your audience. But here's one thing I would recommend. When you're talking about sales sequences, so a lot of people, they, they do an email where they'll say, you know, buy this thing or I have this course or whatever. First of all, remember Ramit's number one rule of marketing. Nobody gives a damn about you. It's not about you. It's not about your product. It's about what your product can do for them. So we don't ever send an email that says, hey, earn 1K is the best. Buy it uh, 10% off. Blah, blah. We would never send that. We Each sequence of ours, we never do one-off sales. We tested it. We don't like it. We'll do a three-part email or a 12-part email, whatever, a 12-part email series to really take them through the experience, okay? Um, in terms of recommending frequency, I would, I don't, there's no specific frequency. We have cer- certain sequences, they sell, you know, back to back, week to week. Mm-hmm. Other ones go for two months without selling. My recommendation here is plot it out in Excel or on some kind of project management thing and remember to build in emails that are just great content. So you want to show people that every time they open your email, they're like, oh my God, I learned something. And even tell them, I have nothing to sell in this email. This is just for you. So you want to balance off, you know, your ratio might be 60% sales to 40% engagement, or it might be 90, 10, whatever it is. You want to plot that out and decide what's right for your market. Does that mean when you do sell something in an email, you tell them it's it's an email? Oh yeah, I tell them very clearly. I say, look, am I selling this? Yes. Do I apologize for selling? Never because I know my material works. Here's how I know, look at like 500 testimonials. 
and look at these 25 videos of people I flew in from around North America. I'm sending this to you because I want the best for you. And I know that this course works and that's why I'm taking time out of your schedule and mine to send you this material that I've been working on for three years. If it's not right for you, that's no problem. You don't have to buy, we'll still be friends and I have much more material to send you. But if you're ready to earn more, if you have tried other things and they haven't worked, and if you believe that this can help based on these 487 testimonials on this page, then I would love to invite you to join this course. Mm. So there's no trickery. You're just being completely honest. And you're being you're coming from a position of strength. You're not just saying, hey, guys, like, watch out because by the end of this email, you know, I'm going to sell you something. You're actually like, OK, guys, this is what I've been working on. Here it is. You know, you know that uh, one thing we, we also have observed is people apologizing for selling. Mm-hmm. I've seen people in subject lines use selly sell. Here's the selly sell. <laughs> I know exactly I mean, who you're talking about. And then I've seen another, I've seen so many people in their, they, they write a whole email and then in their PS, in their PS, they'll say, by the way, I have this course. It might not be right for you, but um, I've opened it and uh, I hope you'll give it a consideration. Don't sell from the PS. If you believe in your material, sell. And if you don't, then you shouldn't ever let the world know about this. Okay, if it's not good enough to sell aggressively, then it's not good enough to sell at all. We have products that we tested. We spent a lot of time and money on these. Like I've got one I'll tell you about right now, a health insurance product. We spent a lot of time. We, we thought we cracked the code on health insurance. We tested it with 50 paid beta testers, mm-hmm. paid. And then we just discovered like nobody really cares about this. I mean, the product works. It, it helped a lot of people, but we just realized it wasn't that big of a pain point. So we shelved it. And it's done, it's designed, but it will never see the light of day because it's not good enough to sell under the I Will Teach brand. Now, is that something you could potentially give away for free or it's not even worth that? No, if I can't, no, it's not. I don't want to, I don't use free material as let me give it away because it's lower quality because I think it demeans your own brand. If people come and you're going to get a lot more people getting free stuff than obviously your paid stuff Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a mediocre thing, why not just put it away? and say, you know what, I'm going to spend the time creating something great. Um, I, I just don't believe in giving away second quality content as free. All the stuff I give away for free, it, I want it to be better than anyone else's paid material, and I want my paid material to be the world's best. Awesome. Now, you just had a launch recently for a new product called Zero to Launch, or ZTL, as I've been yep. seeing online. Um, can you quickly go over how that launch went, um, kind of follow the same strategy and any mistakes that were made that you wish you'd time to redo? Um, man, uh, so, so many, but um, I'll tell you the, the high level points. So Zero to Launch is our first course on creating an online business. Um, it's a bit ironic that we waited. We've been in business 10 years now. And since year two, people have been asking me to create a course on online business. And I resisted for eight years. Because I, and in fact, I told people this, I said, look, we did it, but it's really, really hard. And most people cannot. And I didn't say that to be arrogant. I really didn't mean to be arrogant or condescending at all. What I meant to say was, this is hard stuff. And we haven't figured out a way to teach what we know to other people. So for years and years, we resisted, even though it was the number one requested topic. And finally, we cracked the code on how to teach what we do to other people. And so we spent a long time building it. We included, here's a few of the things we included. We interviewed our staff to know exactly how we do what we do. 
we analyzed our own analytics. So we pulled out all the analytics from our internal library and we looked at launches, we analyzed what worked and what didn't. For example, webinars, um, how long should your email sequence be? We included our actual email sequences and we tore them down. We showed you why we did what we did, what the open rates were, et cetera, and what worked. And our goal was to be the single best course on creating an online business. So as, after we put some of this together, we had done a huge amount of testing. We tested it with dozens of people. We walked through it with them week after week. And you'll see a lot of those students in the material, the marketing material online. We flew them in and we interviewed them and they talked about how you know, they generated $15,000 and they, they doubled their sales from last year and their conversion rates are through the roof. Awesome. All of that was carefully, carefully done because we wanted to make sure we could prove this works before we ever launched it to the market. Mm-hmm. And that'll obviously differentiate yourself from everybody else out there. Um, now, quickly, I, I believe I saw a tweet from you, which is why I'm saying this here because it was public. Uh, something happened on your launch day, like in a webinar. Um, I, this happened recently. So we, we relaunched Zero to Launch. And for the first time, we had a really catastrophic webcast. Um, and this, this, I mean, frankly, I have to tell you, is pretty embarrassing to me. Um, we've done over 25 webcasts. We do them frequently. We have a 25-page document detailing our webinar procedures. So what happens if this happens? I have a backup plan. I always have, you know, we have all these staff on, on hand to do all these kinds of things. And on this day, we had a, we had a pretty large webcast. It, it was probably about 2,500 to 3,000 people. And our internet connectivity just could not keep up. And I later learned that there was a power outage in San Francisco which caused some internet issues. But the fact of the matter is, it was a horrible customer experience. People were there, they were getting lagging video. Um, it, they couldn't see anything at certain points and we went to our backup, that didn't work. So it really infuriated me. I mean, wouldn't it infuriate you? You oh, wanna yeah. have the, the <laughs> best customer experience and you're like, I'm trying and I started sweating and I'm apologizing, but what can I do, right? So I apologized. The, what I did from that was I sent an email out within one hour. And I let people know, I apologize. I had planned to offer something special at the end of the webcast for that night only. I extended that until the next day. And I just told them, I'm embarrassed. We have a document, it didn't work. And this is something that we will fix so it doesn't happen again. Um, Within 72 hours, I had a report on my desk of what happened, what can we do differently, and what are our procedures and how are they gonna change? So, I guess what I learned from this is, you know, plan for the worst, but even if you do, sometimes things happen. Apologize with grace if you can. I mean, you should be able to, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything you can do to make it up, just be authentic. I will tell you that our data showed that overall we ended up hitting our launch targets. But, you know, how do you know? Could we have done better? Probably, if that webcast had actually happened. So I guess just at any scale, you know, we're talking about a scale that's a lot larger than when I started off. Um, I would have never expected that we would be at this scale, but I also would have not expected that this webcast would fail. So at every stage of your business, you're always going to have new problems. Just treat them as problems to be solved, not as something that's going to be catastrophic or it's going to end your business or your career. Just one step at a time. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And, you know, I really, really appreciated how you handled that, which is why I wanted you to bring that up. And it just shows, you know, I mean, for me, you've been doing this for a while. You're great at it and things will go wrong. Yeah, And as long as you know that that's going to happen, I mean, just, 
you know, try to think ahead of what might happen so you could have a backup plan. But even your backup plan didn't work. But, you know, I think a lot of people would freak out. They they wouldn't know how to handle it. And they would just think that, you know, maybe they would quit because it's just a sign that this isn't the how it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's going to happen all the time. You know, I've got this new theory I've been playing around with. Just it's I don't know the name of it, but it's like don't drop the bowl if you drop the spoon. And I learned that I was doing this. So I'd be walking from my kitchen to my living room and I would drop my spoon out of my bowl. It'd fall on the floor. And as and I would see the spoon falling out and I would try to grab it, which would make the bowl drop too. So what I'm trying to practice is if you see the spoon drop, if you see one thing go wrong, don't destroy everything else in trying to fix it. Just slow down, be deliberate, be methodical, and understand what is the situation before you go trying to fix it. So I could have cut the price by 50%. I could have screamed at everyone, but I wanted to just slow down. And I'm trying to get better at this, at internalizing that I don't have to break the this, this bowl if the spoon falls. Beautiful. Ramit, dude, this has been awesome. We're at the 50-minute mark. As always, you've dropped some knowledge bombs for us, and so we really appreciate that. Any final words of advice for anybody who is uh, in product creation mode and maybe is going to launch very soon? Um, first of all, I feel for you. I love it. This is the, one of the most exciting times in the world where we don't have to wait for some New York producer to find us after 40 years and put us in front of everyone else on the TV. We can go directly to the market. That's a huge, huge honor. It's a huge privilege. My biggest advice I can give is there are so many people in this industry who come and go and they want to make a quick buck. And they, they'll say the words like, I'm in it for the long haul, but their behavior won't reflect it. They create products really quickly. They don't take the time to slow down and listen to their readers. And they don't incorporate feedback and redo it and redo it. When we did Dream Job, we did 17 versions of it before we got it right. It took us a long time. And some of those weird, awkward tears, not mine, but <laughs> some of my students, um, I mean, to get it right. But once you get it right, you benefit from it forever. And so do your students. So if there's one thing I could say, it would be slow down. Make sure that you're modeling the right people. I mean, if they're listening to you, Pat, they know how much work you put in. And every one of your posts is just awesome. It's gargantuan. It's so full of detail. That is the level we want to strive towards. Not a quick, you know, top 10 reasons to do X. Those aren't the posts we're looking for. And the type of products we're, we're looking for are detailed. They help people. Once you can do that, you'll have students for life. Awesome. Thank you, Rami. And if anybody's out there wondering about the pricing discussion, we talked extensively about that in episode 92. So smartpassiveincome.com slash session 92. Rami, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to get more from you, where should they go? Uh, we got a cool little page we put up for everyone. If you're interested, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com slash Pat. There's a pretty cool um, little free giveaway that I put there for everyone. So I recommend you check it out. And uh, I'd love to see you on the list. Hey, thanks for that, Rami. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you again for coming on. And uh, we'll have to have you come back on in the future again. Anytime. My pleasure. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ramit from IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. If you go to IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com slash Pat, you could sign up to his email list and get access to a bunch of free goodies and also just learn from his emails. I mean, they are so incredibly educational and uh, I've learned quite a bit from just following him in his email list. So check him out. Again, if you like the notes and the links and all the resources mentioned in this particular podcast episode, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session one, two, 
Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session120. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen. I also want to thank today's awesome sponsor, which is 99designs.com. If you go to 99designs.com slash SPI, you'll get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Now, if you don't know what 99designs is, it's an awesome service that allows you to sign up to put in any sort of job that you want for any designs that you need on your website or even for t-shirt designs or wraps for your truck, anything involving design that you need help with. You put it in there and all of a sudden, dozens of designers will compete to deliver you the best design. I've used it several times in the past. It's been great. I've used it for logos and web pages. It's exciting, fast, and affordable, and uh, you can work with the designers. And you know, if they're close, you can work with them to get it perfect. You can even have your friends and family vote on their favorites, uh, and even your audience vote to uh, give them some chance to have a say. Uh, You can get access to over 310,000 graphic designers, and uh, it's awesome. So again, if you go to 99designs.com slash SPI, you'll get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Awesome. Thanks so much. Again, the show notes at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 120. You rock. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.